0: I'm Samantha. And you're listening to
1: Reaper Tales. Today, I'm going to be telling Montana about the Black Widow of Hazel Green. But first, what's the drink that goes along with this story today?
0: Today, you're all drinking, because I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Green Ghost Cocktail. You're going to fill a cocktail shaker with ice and add... Four ounces of gin, one ounce of green chartreuse liqueur. Nailed it. I nailed it. (laughs) And one ounce of uh, freshly squeezed lime juice. Shake until well chilled, strain into a cocktail glass, and enjoy.
1: Also, because this is how we end up doing it every time, this is for two. (laughs) No (laughs) one.
0: oh yeah please share (laughs) yeah make sure you have somebody with you or you know make yourself a double drink for me
1: (laughs) yeah somebody needs to right i have responsibilities with this story i can't i can't do it
0: i hear you all right all right
1: so montana are you ready to hear about the black widow of hazel green
0: i've never been more ready for anything in my life (laughs)
1: Good. That works out really well. So uh, for those of you that listened to the last episode, um, because I believe that this will be released right after my last episode that I did, The Black Widow of Hazel Green was mentioned in the Dead Children's Playground episode. Uh, and I said, I will be researching this and I will be covering it. And sure enough, I just had to immediately do just that. So worked out really well. It's kind of a continuation of my last one. I will say, full disclosure, a lot of this is fact. But this is also in like the 1800s, most of it. So a lot of conjecture, a lot of rumors um, about the Black Widow of Hazel Green's life. Most of the story takes place over 200 years ago. So there's only so much information that was readily available. And many of the documents that were actually mentioned aren't actually available at all for Whatever reason, I don't really know. I mean, several of the sources I looked at said, you just, you can't locate the documents anymore.
0: I love the fact that you're covering something that happened in the 1800s. And my next episode is also something
1: that happened in the 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how that happens. We don't talk about the stories to each other until we we do the cast podcast. No. So it's interesting. <laughs> So with all that being said, I hope you'll enjoy hearing about the story of possibly the nation's first serial killer. Mm. I say possibly because it's more allegedly. Yeah. So let's get started. Elizabeth let's do it. Elizabeth Dale Gibbons, Flanagan, Jeffries, High Brown Rout was born Elizabeth Evans Dale in Worcester County, Maryland, on October twenty eighth, seventeen ninety five. Her parents were Molly Polly Mary, not Molly Polly. Mary Polly Hall.
0: I thought you were about to say uh, Polly Pocket, and I was like, Oh, I miss that. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's
1: popular again now.
0: I know it's such a crapshoot because all I ever wanted was a Polly Pocket growing up, and like I remember having one, and I remember my sister stealing it at one point, and I don't remember what happened to it, but I was very upset about it. I'm still upset about it to this day. I can't. So. Tell. No, no, you can't tell.
1: I don't hold grudges. Anyways, continue. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It was a bit of a tongue twister. So Mary, Polly, Hall, and Adam Dale. I will also say, I looked at a lot of different sources for a lot of bits and pieces of, of all of this information. A lot of people said that her grandfather married Polly, but really digging, it was her father. I don't really know why it got confused at some point but for whatever the reason it did so several of them said it was her grandfather but that's not true because i looked at the consensus um information and it listed adam as her dad polly as her mom adam adam dale was known was a known patriot that fought in the war war for america's independence and for those of you who it's been a minute that was the american revolution because i know it had been a minute since i had american history
0: There's literally a point in my next episode where I talk about the Civil War and how (laughs) well, you'll see. I literally have in my notes that says, and he fought for the
1: Confederate. And I say,
0: ew, gross." gross.
1: So all of this takes place like right before the Civil War. Just to just to clarify, but yeah, uh, gross. So yours is a little bit yours is a (laughs) little little bit bit older than mine. Mine is the early eighteen hundreds. Yours early to mid. Yours is probably mid to late. It is okay. Um, So he fought in the American Revolution at the age of fourteen, and married the love of his life at the age of twenty-one on February twenty-fourth, seventeen ninety, in Worcester, Maryland.
0: I'm not trying to guess, second-guess anybody who gets married at 21, but I'm trying to second-guess anyone who gets married at 21 and they, quote-unquote, are the love of their life. Now that – wait, wait, wait. It was 200 years ago. They didn't live that long. (laughs) Never mind. I take back what I said. Go on. I was
1: just going to let you keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Also, think about it. Like, he entered the war at 14. Dude, Dude was an adult by 21. Like – sure you aged fast Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) not like today (laughs) Polly was beautiful and from a very prestigious family in Sussex County Delaware me too (laughs) you are beautiful you are so beautiful I don't know that I would say you're from a very prestigious family (laughs) Well, the fever, and I'm yes, a little bit goofy. <laughs> I'm going to get past this first paragraph at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, we haven't even talked about Elizabeth except for the fact that she was born.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I am, like, in a fever haze. Guys, I'm sick. I had surgery on Monday. They chopped my leg off. They didn't chop my leg off. They took a piece of my leg out, and I'm not happy about it. And so that's why I'm not drinking, and I'm a little bit delusional, so you're going to get giggles, and I'm sorry
1: for the not, giggles. you are delusional, but I think you meant delirious.
0: Mm. <laughs> oh, that too. Wait, I'm already delusional. <laughs> that's what my psychiatrist was telling me.
1: Shit. <laughs> anyway. Carry on. From all accounts, none of this mattered to either one of them. They actually married for love and continued to love and cherish each other for the rest of their lives. Gross. <laughs> Due to his service to his country, he was given land grants and moved to DeKalb County, county, known at the time as Smith County, Tennessee. And he's actually recognized as that county's first settler around 1793. It's not clear when the fall of... Fam- <laughs> oh, apparently. Um, I'm a little delirious myself. It's, it's not... Clear- <laughs> it's delusional. <laughs> I had to correct myself because I almost said <laughs> Okay, this is going to be a fun episode. I haven't even gotten to the funny parts yet. (laughs) I know we're 10 minutes (laughs) in. (laughs) It's not clear when the family followed him, but it was likely a while as the land was not ready for living. And it had to do he had to do a lot of work to make it to where it was ready. But since Elizabeth was born in Maryland, it must have been after 1795. He cleared the land and built a home for him and his family as well as a mill that was quite successful and made him very wealthy after settling and moving his family to Tennessee he returned to serve in the military under Andrew Jackson in the war of 1812 this was when adam first experienced the huntsville countryside gross andrew jackson <laughs> yeah it's <was> gross <laughs> He was commanding a troop of around 200 men while Jackson was fighting with the Native Americans in and around Huntsville. They camped around Meridianville, which is around eight miles north of Huntsville. Lizzie, as she was known by her family, was the third child that was born of the two. Edward was the oldest, followed by their second son, Lemuel, I believe is how you pronounce it. Lemuel unfortunately died at a very young age from throat distemper, which had killed many in the years before
0: what uh, is uh distemper that's the dog thing
1: <laughs> vaccine yeah dogs dogs do get it what is it i didn't look that up
0: what you listen to this podcast will kill you
1: haven't they covered it i don't i don't think they've covered dog illnesses and i don't remember <laughs> well, no, covering no. Like, distemper. December, it's like a human thing
0: but like distemper is a vaccine that dogs get for kennel cough true but I have no idea.
1: I didn't I didn't do that research. Just let me go on. Stop interrupting okay, me. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, so it was actually many years before he was born that it was a problem and it seemed like it wasn't a problem anymore. But because he was so weak, it seemed like the illness had kind of lingered around the area just enough that he ended up catching it and dying. Thomas was their fourth child, followed by Peggy, Margaret, Sarah, Sophia, Mary, Nancy, and William holy you have, shit you have have a lot of kids they already lost one <laughs> can i just say i love the name peggy yeah it is very cute but was also that, peggy peggy's usually short for margaret and it's peggy and margaret like wait peggy's back. short for margaret yes i didn't know that was it unless they really named her peggy i don't no. know
0: i was thinking of i was like isn't peggy in um that show doug the doug show or whatever and but no it's patty mayonnaise yeah sorry patty yeah, oh Patty,
1: but I do like the name Peggy. I think it's a it's
0: a it's it's, cute it's unique. Name. You don't
1: you really don't hear it that much anymore. Yeah, sorry. Go on, Lizzie. Was t- I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> All right, I'm naive. Eating myself Here. No, no, <laughs> not for long. Lizzie was described as quite the beauty, according to a Huntsville Times article. She was a beautiful and charming woman with auburn hair, dark brown eyes, and a fair complexion. Me too. <laughs> that Lasted two seconds. <laughs> She was educated, an aristocrat, and had in her veins the blue blood of men who had followed in the steps of Lord Baltimore. Baltimore? Baltimore. Good <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Man, nobody's going to like this episode. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It sounded like you said Baltimore. And I was like, that's
0: Harry Potter. I don't think that's right.
1: all right you're delirious delusional delirious all of the things there you go continue sorry all right back on mute she was known to have a love of the fine things of life clothes horses furnishings and all the conveniences wealth could provide me too (laughs) her first husband was named reverend samuel g gibbons despite being married for nearly 18 years they never had any children Shortly after their marriage, at the age of 23, he filed a will that left everything to his wife except for $100 bequeath. It said bequeath, but I don't know how you would say that. I guess it's right. To his sister and a shotgun to his nephew. Which, by the way, weird. I'm going to leave money to my sister and a shotgun to my nephew. I guess at the time it wasn't weird, but it seems a little weird now. I mean, $100 back then was
0: quite a lot. You're talking like...
1: I was more referencing the shotgun...
0: But, well, I mean, um, people still do that, and it's still weird. Yeah, but, but
1: it's usually, like, a family heirloom or something that's worth a lot of money. Like, I don't I don't know that it would be worth that much back then, but maybe I'm wrong. Oh, was it,
0: like, a, well, no, when you were saying it, I was like, what, did he just go to, like, a, a store and was like, hey, I want to leave my nephew a shotgun. Can you just, like, <laughs> here's five bucks, like, whatever, whatever. I do it on layaway like, until i know <laughs> give him a shotgun i don't care what kind it is whatever
1: maybe i don't think so though <laughs> i think weapons were i think weapons were pretty important back then <laughs> well yeah obviously gibbons died near centerville and huckman in hickman county tennessee on july 14th 1830 while staying with friends lizzie had assisted with making breakfast and before the end of the day samuel died after complaining of stomach pains the doctor diagnosed him with yellow fever and black tongue. He had not updated his will, so his entire estate, outside the items mentioned above, went to Elizabeth, including two slaves. What's well,
0: black tongue? I don't know.
1: I mean, what I says? feel like that sounds like the plague, but I don't know that that was really... I think, I mean, I think not the was right just, time for that. No. Okay. Um, but I'm pretty sure those are symptoms of... Arsenic? Arsenic? arsenic perhaps yeah that was i mean i figured but but yeah. i think they were like well nobody else died well she did prepare his plate i'm sure and gave it to him so yeah she just did a little bit of mixing Duh. allegedly allegedly
0: also every time you say lizzie all i picture is your dog <laughs>
1: i'm like <laughs> she's always, poisoning people i always think of lizzie borden but that's a that's a whole nother.
0: no person, i'm picturing too. your 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 dog like up on her hind <laughs> legs like in an apron, like, feeding somebody. And she's like, hee, 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 he,
1: I'm going to poison she'd somebody. Be, she'd be the one to do it. Yeah, and she would be. <laughs> he was buried in the local cemetery at the church that his friends attended. Lizzie then returned home alone. So I don't know if this was a thing because it mentioned it was mentioned several times. But people would die and they would just be buried where they died instead of, like, taking them home. And some of these places weren't that far away. I mean, I guess maybe the way they transported then it would have been long, but a long drive or whatever. But it just seems kind of weird to me that they wouldn't bring them to a specific cemetery or something along those lines. But it happened multiple times in the information that I read, so.
0: Well, did they didn't have embalming and stuff like that, so. No. You, you know, they, and they were coming off of all of these other plagues and you have.
1: Yeah, you maybe know. they were worried he was contagious yeah stuff like that okay that makes sense um,
0: i actually you know what somebody told me tonight um that they thought it was very funny that i was gonna turn you into ice cream and eat you from our <laughs> last episode so <laughs> <laughs> we've come a long way with the way we deal with our dead bodies and that's really <laughs> like what i'm trying
1: to say here okay yeah this is <laughs> totally the message i got from that <laughs> About a year later, in October 1831, Lizzie met and wed husband number two, Philip Flanagan. I mentioned him in the Dead Children's Playground episode as well. She had believed he was wealthy, only to find out right after they married that he was actually drowning in debt. He died about five months later, in March of 1832, after three months of going in and out of the doctor's office around 45 times. His ghost is said to haunt Maple Hill Cemetery, stating that he was too young to die and hinting that his death may have been due to poisoning by saying there are no rats in here so well i mean i can't i can't exactly y'all don't take this out of context this is a
0: joke i can't exactly blame her he was apparently poor and stupid
1: yeah true <laughs> Fair. yeah anyway yeah. Moving on to number three, Elizabeth's third husband was William Alexander Jeffries, and he went by his middle name, which I found interesting. He went by Alex. When they met, he was 60 and she was 38, and both had lost their previous spouses. Alex had lost his wife, Frances, in 1825 at the age of 52. They had three children who were grown by the time he met and married Elizabeth. As he was a widower of several years, he was lonely and seemed ready to remarry. Elizabeth, of course, knew he was at least somewhat wealthy as he owned a 500 acre plantation in Hazel Green. It also seems he had some political connections, and if there's one thing that seems clear, Elizabeth was very keen on making connections in both wealthy and political circles. So, of course, she was ready to to marry him. Yeah, and I mean, he's pretty much already dead. (laughs) 60 (laughs) years old (laughs) in the 1800s.
0: In the 1800s, (laughs) he's. Jesus Christ, he might as well be I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. He might as well be 150 years old today, in today's
1: age. I mean, that was serious opportunity there. Come on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She I mean, just, I would she, do it. It.
1: she literally saw gold. Like, if my husband it. kicked
0: the bucket today, I would marry a hundred and fifty year old who was a billionaire right now.
1: Right, Anna Nicoles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to work. Okay, I heard name in a long time, but that just hit me right there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they were wed November sixth, eighteen thirty three, and moved into his four room, two story log cabin that had been built on a Native American mound. He believed this was the best location as he could look over his lands from his home.
0: And you can also be haunted by the Native Americans that you took their (laughs) land from. But okay, bro, go ahead. Also, your four-bedroom house is not that big. I mean, it was big for back then. My house is not that big. What am I talking about?
1: Carry on. So, uh, to that note, um, as far as the size of his house, he actually was very happy with minimal. From all I could read, he didn't need lavish furnishings. He didn't need this great big house, even though he did have money. He was good with his four room, two story log cabin that he had built on his land. So he was probably one of those wealthy people that live like misers. Like they don't spend a lot of money. And his that's land. How they, yeah, his land. Land that he managed to attain. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I understand that. If I had a lot of money, I
1: wouldn't want a huge house because that means I just have to clean it. That's what I think, too. But, you know, they hired maids. So and that was one of the things about marrying him. For the first time in her life, she had servants and people to do everything. From all I could tell, it was the first time in her life. Like they had cooks and cleaners. So she basically didn't do much of anything around the house. In any case, the locals felt this was bad luck. And would bring him nothing but doom, but he didn't pay them any mind. The marriage resulted in two children. William Jeffries, born 1834, and Mary Elizabeth Jeffries, born November 8, ni- 1837, and died August 13, 1844, forty-four, cause unknown. Sad. But also, get it, boy? Yeah. I mean, nobody else could produce some kids. He sure as heck managed. Get on it. They were married for nearly five years before Jeffreys died in 1838, and Lizzie again inherited the entire estate, making her even more wealthy. It's not clear if there was any suspicion from the townspeople initially, though the will did say that he was in poor health, but of sound mind. Which, you know, I mean, he was, what, 65 at that point? So that's pretty old at the time. So I don't think they even thought anything about it. We'll just go with that
0: yeah <laughs> she could as long as they did
1: yeah there we go. she had uh, she had plans to make the plantation grander than it was already and started planning almost immediately to marry again to add to her wealth and make her plans a reality she managed the plantation with an iron fist bullying the servants and was known for her cruelty all the time she was looking for the next victim <clears throat> I'm sorry I mean lord of the land <laughs> Not bad. Me too. <laughs> That's what actually, it was actually quoted multiple times, Lord. She was looking for the next Lord. She met and married her fourth husband, Robert High, in 1839. High was a native of North Carolina and a member of the House of Representatives. Remember how I mentioned she wanted to be known in political circles too? hmm He had been married three times previously, so he thought nothing of Elizabeth's terrible luck in her previous marriages. Of course he didn't this description is amazing he's described as bald but made every effort to conceal it so i want to know are we talking like comb over or like really bad mid-1800s like toupee how did you gonna, cover that
0: up i'm gonna go with toupee that was probably made out of an animal and smelled <laughs> Just, like that
1: animal <laughs> stuck it on his head Ew. <laughs> He was also described as restless in his movements and generally had a supply of apples and goober peas in his hands. What does that have to do with anything? (laughs) I mean, that's how he was described. So he obviously actually had those in his hands regularly. What are goober peas? Uh, look it up. I don't know.
0: Uh, Ew. It sounds gross. I
1: I've heard of, like, goobers being peanuts, but I don't know for sure if that's what they meant
0: and how big is his hand that he can carry both
1: An yeah, and it's in and his hand candy. not in his pocket like he's just carrying it around in his hand he's gonna okay.
0: nasty, sweaty hands all over that and then he's just <laughs> eating it when he's offering it to I some guess. kid here you go kid
1: oh i wouldn't want that <laughs> <laughs> i have dairy but here you go i haven't <laughs> washed my hand since i was born <laughs> probably not back then <laughs> Why would we wash our hands? What difference does it make? Exactly. He married her while he was still serving in the house, but he lost his subsequent reelection campaign. Seemingly, uh-huh. since he wasn't able to continue to provide the political life that she wanted, High died within two years of their wedding on February 16th, 1841. Some locals said that the only reason he lasted that long was due to his traveling while serving in his role in the house and as well as during his re-election campaign. Probably. And he did not have a will. So he also didn't have any assets. So didn't make any difference to Elizabeth. So this one was just for status. Uh, I mean, that's what it seems like. Okay. Absalom Brown became lucky number five on March 16th, 1846. Brown was a merchant in New Market and a wealthy one at that. By combining his wealth with her own, Elizabeth was finally able to build the house she had been planning atop the same Native American mound that the log cabin had been built in Hazel Green.
0: What a cool name. Absalom.
1: Yeah. Absalom.
0: Absalom. It sounds like something from um, uh, the Labyrinth or something. Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah.
1: It took over a year to build and was quite an impressive house. Because I wanted to give an example of just how bougie Lizzie was, I wanted to quote some of the grandeur of this plantation, according to digitalalabama.com. And this, uh, after more digging, it actually was quoted from another newspaper article, too. The frame house facing facing east was well-shaped and had eight large rooms, four above and four below. Two stairways connected the two floors, one in the hallway separating the four chambers in the front and the other midway between the front and the back. The front hall was of moderate dimensions with an opening at each end. The main door was in two panels boarded with tiny panes of glass. Only a few feet from the north side of the building and at the foot of the mound on which it was erected ran the road from Hazel Green, which it intersected a few hundred yards to the front of the house, with a lane bordered by a dozen or so slave cottages. It's the Fucking 1800s. Gross. Fucking gross. They go on. Yeah. No more care was taken in preparing this mansion than was placed in the layout of its surroundings. A row of tall cedars and pines around the hill circled the bed upon bed of all kinds of flowers and shrubs. Bear grass, which I don't know what that is, but it sounds interesting was planted along the main walk in front of the dwelling, while shrubbery of some nature skirted even the brick walks, which led toward the stables and the ice house in the rear. Furnishings were the richest obtainable. In this respect, Miss Rout, who was brown at the time, was never satisfied, for she had in mind tall mirrors and costly mantelpieces, items which she did not acquire before she lost her fortune. Aww. Sounds like she'd nah, never nah. be satisfied. No. Nah. Well, she liked fancy things. She often had dinners or guests stay in the house. Or she often had dinners and then would have guests stay at the house. And she was rarely alone. She also provided every possible luxury to them. Even a servant's bell for each room. I want a servant's bell.
0: I deserve <laughs> a servant's servant. bell. I thought
1: you had one for your husband now that you were hurt. That's no, what I, I just, suggested.
0: I yell at him to get bring me tea. And he does.
1: <laughs> well, that works too. You do have a smaller house. You probably don't really need a bell.
0: No. Normally I just text you. Hey, bitch, bring me some tea.
1: Yeah, true. <laughs> it could be just as annoying. <laughs> Unfortunately, mm-hmm. Brown came down with a terrible stomach ailment that was slow and painful. He died shortly after the house was completed in 1847, leaving behind the unlucky widow. Locals would recall later that the ceremony was in the dark, aided only by shaking lantern light.
0: I'm shocked that he died.
1: I know, this this doesn't happen. Brown's death made an impact more so than any in the past. This was mostly due to the circumstances of his burial. After he died, his body almost immediately began to swell. Worrying that the situation was going to worsen and what might happen if he was left in the parlor, Elizabeth made the executive decision to bury him that night. Of course, this made people wonder what she was trying to hide. Why would she bury him at night, unless she was trying to hide something? Of course, the main speculation was that she had poisoned him, and that was why the body had swelled. The body was not exhumed, so there was no cause of death officially determined.
0: What? You don't say? She's had, what, five husbands at this point die of stomach aches?
1: Maybe. I mean, Jeffrey's, which was number three, there was no explanation. They just thought maybe he was old. Okay, four out of five four, Dennis Four, there ready. wasn't. it. <laughs> four out of five. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right, so on to husband number six, Willis Rout. He married Elizabeth May 11th, 1848. He was about seven years younger than Lizzie. Most sources say he died shortly after they wed, but a census showed that they were married for at least a year, and some sources said he died in 1851, which would mean it was two to three years so this made lizzie a six-time widow of course this caused even more rumors to fly and people were very distrusting obviously of the unlucky woman (laughs) he was the last husband to die and a while after his death she left hazel green probably because the rumors had gotten a little bit crazy um and i can imagine they weren't exactly nice to her at the time but i'll get to that also i can say that like she
0: could have well he could have died shortly after she could have killed him shortly after they got married because if the census was anything like it is today back then they don't talk to the person (laughs) i had a census person come up to me this past year or was it census year this past year yeah and he like cornered me in my yard and i was like bro what and he was like how many people live in your house i was like two he didn't he didn't ask for like id he didn't
1: none of that stuff it was just like okay my husband could be dead right now but i will give a little bit of clarification so adam dale her dad died while living or visiting depending on the source with his daughter lizzie in 1851 which was the rumored date that they that he died so oh okay he was listed also as living in the home that year. Cause I think the census was done in 1851. So more than likely that's accurate. Wait, did she kill her dad? Moving on. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> he was buried behind her home in Hazel green following his death. Polly left and stayed with her other daughter in Columbia. After a time, Polly grew more and more upset that her beloved's body was behind her daughter's house, where there were more than enough rumors about what had happened to her husbands, who were also buried there. Mama did not like that Daddy was in your backyard because she probably suspected that you killed your dad. Oh my God. (laughs) Eventually, her son-in-law... Had Adams' body exhumed and moved to a plot in Columbia at the cemetery he had, he had established in 1853, named Rose Hill Cemetery. When it was exhumed, it was found to have petrified and turned dark. What does that mean? He was poisoned, probably. Gross. Per an article written by Price Parker, this unnatural state gave fuel to the rumor that poor old Dad had gone the same way of the husbands.
0: Why would you kill That's your dad? So sad. I don't understand.
1: Obviously this was a rumor, but the official cause of death was not specified and it was assumed it was due to his advanced age. He was eighty three. Holy in shit in the eighteen hundreds. Oh my God. Yeah, he might have just I mean, stood he was... too fast. <laughs> he was pretty old. <laughs> I mean, eighty three <laughs> is old now.
0: Yeah. So I mean funny. in the eighteen
1: hundreds do my
0: grandparents say that, but um no, but you're right. Yeah. 1800s, 83. Holy shit!
1: Like, I'm impressed that he lived that long. To be perfectly honest, but say, you know, maybe she was just done. Like, Dad, all right, you've been here long enough. And he was like, Well, I'm old. It's it's rough to leave and and travel. And she's like, No, you gotta go one way or another. She probably just overfed him, and he stood up too fast, well, and his stomach yeah, fell. I could have done the that. rest of him went down with him. <laughs> Also, I just thought it was kind of funny to note because it was mentioned several times. She was known as Elizabeth High Brown Rout at that point because it was customary etiquette of the time that three times to the altar was enough for any respectable woman. So they only went by the last three in her sure. case. Sure. <laughs> okay. Also, just to recap her her uh, tally. She married a reverend, a factory owner who was also a pauper, a wealthy plantation owner, a politician, a merchant, and a wealthy widower that I think was the first time that she had married someone younger than her. Mm, Girl, get it. (laughs) She made it around. Fuck the patriarchy. Yeah. These deaths may or may not have all been suspicious as life was not easy at the time and living to an old age was uncommon. To put this into perspective, I'm including a quote from the HuntsvilleHistoryCollection.org. Quote, life was cheap and nobody knew how to change that. The horror of it was that you were perhaps worse off if you were under the care of a physician. Medicine then being in a rather primitive state. Known diseases consisted of consumption, colic, and the like. And the treatments were bleeding, usually with leeches, bed rest, and various teas some of which have been shown to truly have healing value, and others were poisonous. The basic truth of the matter was that if you survived long enough to produce children, then you'd survive long enough to continue the race of man, and were basically successful in what passed for life in the mid-19th century. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, I, I made babies, so I guess that's good enough. Yeah,
0: basically. Oh, are we um, trout now? Is it trout or is it salmon? It might be Mm, both. I think it's trout. Well,
1: I don't know. They they salmon are the ones that
0: spawn. Okay. Yeah. Then it's salmon. So salmon drop the eggs. They fertilize them and then
1: they both just die. Yeah. (laughs) We did our Done. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing left to live for. (laughs) Despite all the rumors and conjecture, yet another man sought Lizzie's attention, D.H. Bingham. He was a school teacher from Meridianville. Yet another occupation. (laughs) At this time, Elizabeth was nearly 60, but was still considered quite beautiful, and Bingham seemed completely smitten.
0: (laughs) Me too. However,
1: however, he may have gotten lucky that another man just prevented his untimely demise, Abner Tate. According to some court documents and news reports, many of the supposed reports about the entire story are no longer available. Abner and Elizabeth had a long-standing feud. Abner was a neighbor, and the two of them were constantly after each other about loose animals getting to each other's yards and destroying crops and po- property. There were also rumors that Abner had approached Lizzie in an effort to marry her, and she rebuffed him. Thus, he was infuriated and wished to retaliate. They okay. did both lose their spouses, their, their last spouses, around the same time. So, it is possible.
0: Okay. He's... he's- <laughs> Your husband's dead. My wife's dead. Let's...
1: Let's hook up. I mean, all we right. live next door. Why not? It was so convenient. <laughs> so he started retaliating by basically repeating what everyone in town was already saying, that she had killed all her husbands. But eventually he went a step further and had her charged for the murder of her husbands, though she How was th- never found guilty of any of their deaths.
0: How does that happen? Is he a police officer? Wait, he's not. It's
1: the 1800s. I don't know. They probably didn't need a lot. They just walk up to somebody. I charge you with murder. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I'm assuming he, like, submitted some kind of statement, and they just went forward with it. But eventually the charges were dropped due to, I'm sure, a complete lack of evidence. You don't say. Two of them weren't even, their bodies weren't even in Hazel Green. So, I, okay. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll explain the reason why he said that they, what his proof was. It was basically non-existent. mm mm-hmm. So, shortly after he started doing this, Abner was shot and wounded. In some sources, it was one of Elizabeth's slaves, and in others, it was one of Abner's slaves that had been contracted by one of Elizabeth's slaves. Basically, the idea was everybody thought Elizabeth was behind it. In either case, the slave was found and tried, found guilty, and hung for the crime. Terrible. It was, it was also reported that Tate sold the remainder of his slaves. So fun time in american history Mm, sure afterwards abner continued to harass elizabeth and shout the rumors in retaliation elizabeth had her new suitor file a claim to the court that abner had murdered a man in cold blood according to some reports he killed a traveler from kentucky and had his body burned in his fireplace to hide the crime supposedly a woman that was there working for him witnessed the deed and had told elizabeth in confidence but later agreed to testify again the charges were eventually dismissed Abner's response was to write a pamphlet titled Defense of Abner Tate Against Charges of Murder, Preferred by D.H. Bingham. In uh-huh. the pamphlet, well, it, pam, it said pamphlet, but it was also, it also said book in some places. I have a feeling this was a pretty big pamphlet, so maybe it was somewhere in between.
0: Have you ever seen that episode of uh, Family Guy where the guy uh, gets broken up with by whatever, and it's like the 1800s or 1700s or something like that, and he goes and he like, Makes his own like newspaper that's basically calling her a a hoe or whatever, and he like he spends months doing it, and then he goes and he hands it out to everybody, and everybody's like, "We can't read. None of us can read." <laughs> so that's the only thing I'm thinking of right now. <laughs> He's
1: like, "Here's a pamphlet." Well, up, until, up until that point, you had me because that's basically what ended up happening. <laughs> we can't read. None of us can read. <laughs> I guess a lot of the people could read because. Uh, it got around. Uh, but in the pamphlet, he writes, bridal chamber was a car- was a charnel house and also wrote around whose marriage couch six grinning skeletons were already hung. It was also rumored that Elizabeth had a hat rack next to the door that held the hat of each of her deceased husbands, which was the claim that Abner made when he filed the charges that she killed her husbands. That was his proof. But she had a hat rack that had a hat from each of her husbands, like it was a tally.
0: They live with her, bro. Like what is she supposed to do with those hats?
1: <laughs> also, you <laughs> What think are you the, talking you about? You think the next husband's gonna be alright with the previous husband's hats just hanging around the house? Probably not likely. So what she waited until they were dead and then started hanging them up.
0: Yeah. This is the eighteen hundreds. Come on.
1: Well, obviously that wasn't good enough proof, so they just missed it anyway. <laughs> Don't say a bunch of fictional hats. Wasn't over, that, nobody, that nobody actually saw <laughs> quickly after the pamphlet was released elizabeth filed a defamation lawsuit against tate for fifty thousand dollars it was said that during the trial <laughs> this trial was hilarious there was so much interest that they had to open the grounds for the remaining people and the tavern in town was taking bets on the results of the trial <laughs> there were even reports of fights <laughs> breaking out One shooting even occurred and martial law was possibly going to be imposed. Shut up. (laughs) This this blew up. In court records, an excerpt was taken and quoted from the pamphlet. And I wanted to include it because this is some kind of D. It's interesting. Also, these are the books that you can't find. The only record of these are in the court transcripts that you can find. And even those are like handwritten. So you, you had, they had to kind of interpret some of it. But anyway, it said, poor soul, she is alone. She ought to have a husband, an industrious, sober husband like D.H. Bingham. She has not been particularly fortunate in that respect heretofore. And in Bingham's opinion was entitled to all the consolation as industrious, sober men can bring to the bed. "'around which nightly assembles a conclave of ghosts "'to witness the endearments that once were theirs "'and shudder through their fleshless forms "'at the fiendish spirit which wraps the grave worm "'in the bridal garment and enforces a lingering death "'with a conjugal kiss. "'The worst faith I could wish for Bingham "'would be the success of his undertaking.' But I doubt whether the prize will ever be his. He's dealing with a shrewd bad woman, and she may calculate that she can induce him to goad me beyond endurance on something day of 1856.
0: I gotta say, if uh, if men spoke about me like that today, I'd probably kill them too. I'm just saying.
1: I mean, i almost take it as a compliment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a compliment, but also, I don't need no man. No. what are you trying to tell me to
0: live my life?
1: Get she here. needed them for what she needed them, and then they were done. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean, it get also said, I say for the money because I cannot believe, even in him, any amorous passion mingled <laughs> with his feverish anxiety to get possession of the hand of Elizabeth route. He knew her past history. He knew that she offered herself as a reward to him only on the condition that he accomplished a murder. If he succeeded every time her lips touched his, desire must have fled in horror as if the cold, clammy taste of a putrid corpse. (laughs) This guy was a writer. He would indeed have waded through my blood and the tears of a heartbroken wife and a host of agonizing relatives to the possession of her property, but her person he could not touch. The clasp of her arms around his neck would call up dreadful shapes to sit upon his dreary pillow and make his nights fearful. I think this guy is getting off on his own writing. (laughs) Maybe, but he also was pretty mean to Bingham like calling him out something awful yeah fucking rude like get out of here I, I mean it, who cares why he wants to be with Elizabeth it's that's his business she's you know, 60 years old back off it sounds like it sounds like he's jealous honestly I mean it kind of leads to the whole she rebuffed him and
0: mm-hmm. like he's super jealous and so he's like dissing this dude and he's like this chick needs a woman you know I can bet her I can make her you know yeah and this dude he's super anxious and he'll do anything that she says and he quivers at her own touch but he can't stop thinking about the
1: murder that he doesn't know happened what (laughs) what are you talking about yeah i didn't even think about that but yeah it does kind of it it does sound a lot like a a scorned guy I mean, yeah. it's it's much more eloquently put than today, but it does sound a little like a guy that's been rebuffed. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, maybe that know. makes more sense. The judge tried as hard as he could to maintain order, banging his gavel and telling both parties that they would face penalties if they continued their misconduct. Because they were basically in the courtroom yelling at each other. This is why that's... <laughs> so many people there they were just standing there yelling at each other one of them even said she sounded like a fishmonger's wife um so the judge realized he had completely lost control and had listened to as much as he could so he continued the case hoping that they would both come to their senses and drop it later she dropped the lawsuit and never married again at least there's no documentation that she did Mm -hmm. she did however sue tate and jacob h pierce for 1400 or it says fourteen hundred. Yeah, that that's right. It was so small; it surprised me. Fourteen
0: hundred so, and eighteen hundred is like half well, a million. For,
1: it was for a <laughs> half a million in today's money. I have a conversion later. That's not half a million. It's totally half a million. It's gotta be in well, money. Well, it was for it was for fourteen hundred because she claimed it was for a cotton crop in eighteen forty that had been ruined.
0: Oh wait, you said fourteen hundred. Why don't I think you said fourteen thousand? No, it's probably like 50-something thousand. Anyway, carry on.
1: Yeah, that's probably about right. Um, Pierce wrote her a letter in response. Madam, in the name of God, do you intend to ruin me when I have protected your interest ever since the death of your late husband, Alexander Jeffries, in thousands of instances? Thousands. (laughs) This poor guy lest your mind should be treacherous. I will name a few. After the death of Mr. Jeffries, when his children should have been your friends, but instead of that, they were your most invertebrate enemies and even went so far as to say you were the cause of his death, which was reported from one end of the county to the other. Who were your friends? So we also have her response, which tells me a lot about her, but I I, want to hear what you think. I received your letter by Father late on Friday evening, and company came in just at that time. So I had no time to write until I got home from church this afternoon. I'm sorry to find your feelings are hurt with me, for I never intended to say or do anything to hurt you in any respect. Your kindness to me I do esteem in the highest, and ever shall, for I always believed you to be my friend. And you may rest assured that I will not nor never intend to suit you. Then there's a postscript. I intended to have sent this last evening, but on account of Mary, Mary E., that's what it says, having a, a chill at church, it detained me so that when I was done writing, it was too late to send it. Then I thought I would get father to hand it to you in Huntsville, but finding you will be home today, I will send it there. I hope I will be well yet. I am still your friend. Okay, so she knows his movements and that's a bit scary. Well, there's that. My first thought when I read this was, wow, girl can twist some words. Yeah, she's like super gaslighting him, but whatever. In such a big way. And it, it should be mentioned, there wasn't a timeline given for this part of it. Um, but considering she mentions her father and she mentions uh, Mary E., which I believe was her daughter...
0: So this was before 1850. This was,
1: yeah, this was before her daughter had died, but after Jeffries had died. Okay. So the timeline was, it, it was never given, but I kind of had to just figure that out. But it made more sense to put it where all these court, court cases were going because obviously she was messy. Before the court case was completed, Elizabeth sold the plantation to Levi Donaldson for $12,500 which is around $427,000 in today's money.
0: See, I was close. Only I thought it was fourteen. 000. If you
1: had said 14000 you would have been... I mean, if it had been 14000 you would have been almost on the money. Yeah. No pun intended. Hey. hey, hey. <laughs> pun intended. I'm here for it. <laughs> she moved to Mississippi to reportedly live with her son, William. Some of the locals swear they saw her stop by... Stop by a carpenter's shop and purchase another peg for a hat rack before leaving town. <laughs> Girl, yeah. <laughs> I think that was I just mean, a rumor. When are you going to buy it? You might as well buy it as you're leaving town. Keep those rumors flying.
0: <laughs> I don't think it's real. I think everybody was just jealous of her. She could just court any any man that she,
1: she wanted, you know? I mean, she was rumored to be beautiful, and these guys just kept coming. So, entirely possible. I know. I know what that's like. <laughs> obviously (laughs) (laughs) donaldson lived there until his death in 1874 and he kept it in the family passing it down from generation to generation until 1902 elizabeth died in 1866 in marshall county mississippi never returning to hazel green the hazel green plantation is now in ruins it burned down in 1968 the only thing that remains is the graveyard in the back the body is marked by gravestones that have fallen into disrepair and many of the headstones have been broken a quote from the Huntsville Times put it eloquently: "A few yards to the south of the house, beneath an immense an immense holly holly tree, surrounded by a low thicket, tombstones lie in a random pile. That of husbands, child, and ancestor. A harbor for reptiles and field mice. So, several of her husbands are buried back there. Her daughter was buried back there. An ancestor was uh, Jeffrey's previous wife. Okay." Because none of the bodies were moved, apparently. The property is now privately owned, and the owners, from all accounts that I could find, have no plans to develop it whatsoever or rebuild any type of home on top of it. They did clear it, they go in there periodically to clear it out, um, but that's about it. I'm not going to say. I I was going to say, why don't you hand it back over to the Native Americans? (laughs) That. Well. That would be a thought, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, well. Interestingly, there was a song written by Jim McBride and Stuart Harris called Rose in Paradise. According to the story, the two were brainstorming and started exchanging ghost stories. McBride recalled the story of the Black Widow of Hazel Green, but mistakenly remembered her name as Rose. The song was released in 1987, sung by Waylon Jennings, and went all the way to the top of the country music hits. There was another song, One Mile East of Hazel Green, by Shane Adkins, that includes a verse about her tale. He said he wrote it after spending a night in the house before it burned down. Six times she was wed at the altar of God. On her hand, she wore six golden rings. Now six men lie deep beneath the sod, one mile east of Hazel Green. They say that six ghosts haunt the old plantation searching for their fair but evil bride.
0: I don't think she's evil. I think she just didn't want to put up with their bullshit. And girl, I
1: feel it. And she got away with it. Uh I mean, once you get past, like, three or four <laughs> keep going i mean get what you can get get you know build okay. up your plantation do what you got to do and then i think she just got tired of it and she was just like all right i'll just live with my son yeah or get away from all these rumors the one thing that might be
0: it's kind of sad like i'm not saying that she didn't do it because it's i mean pretty sure she did do it but what if she <laughs> didn't do it and she was just like really beautiful and she had like i don't know um a friend who was just like poisoning her her husbands and things like that to make her look bad because she was jealous of her looks or a guy Could who just been. wanted wanted her to himself who kept doing it and she just felt like the most unlucky person in the
1: world i <laughs> mean there was a uh one of the articles that i read and I'm pretty sure it'll be in the sources because I don't know how much I got off of it because it was almost satirical Mm -hmm. because it was writing it as if she was just the most unlucky woman on the face of this planet. And Mm -hmm. she just kept marrying these guys and her, her beauty kept bringing them in, but they kept dying. And so finally she was just done after six and she just couldn't stand the thought of marrying anybody else and causing their death. Yeah, exactly. So she moved away to Mississippi and remained just... Remained a widow and, and never got remarried.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean... She's, she's a
0: six-time widow, but... Okay. <laughs> I
1: wouldn't want to marry her, but... I, I, I don't know. How hot is she? Uh, well, we'll post <laughs> some pictures. <laughs> I mean, considering it's the 1800s... I mean, I could see where they would think that she was very attractive. Okay. I mean, her... Like... She had darker hair, darker eyes, and was very pale. That was pretty uncommon, I would assume. Um, And it was auburn hair, so that means it was reddish. So that probably wasn't super common. I think it was just a combination of several things. Plus, I think, honestly, girl knew how to talk. I think she knew how to woo these guys and, and win them over and come on, let's go and get married, give me your money. I mean she talked Brown into spending almost all of his money on the plantation. True. That was hers, which I I mean, obviously he is he assumed he was entitled to it if something happened to her. I don't know if he thought that all the way through. But totally fine. she she bribed these guys out of the coins in their pockets. So maybe. She, spent <laughs> an awful lot of money on her <laughs> they were, well but you also have devil's advocate guys like spending money on their women back then because it was a feather in their cap they had the prettiest woman in town so let's dress up this plantation so we can bring everybody by and show her off Fucking I mean, entirely possible it's entirely possible yeah true but that is the story as best i could find of the black widow of Hazel okay. green
0: Good job, dude. That
1: was an excellent
0: story. I am sorry I messed it up with all <laughs> <laughs> there, there was a few asides. <laughs> There's a little bit of asides, you know, whatever. Some some delirium. Mhm. A little bit of delirium, a little bit of delusion. Um <laughs> I have, I don't have delusions of grandeur yet. Uh,
1: <laughs> Are you sure?
0: Uh, anyway, great job! I do want to say that I did get a lot of good feedback on your episode last week. So good job Sweet. on that one too. Good. Yeah, I
1: thoroughly enjoyed researching that one. Mm-hmm.
0: It was a great episode. And um, oh, we have we have news for people. Um, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but we've been saying for weeks. You know, what would you like to hear us on? Blah, 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 blah. So now you can hear us on, uh, as soon as this episode comes out, um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio.
1: So nice.
0: Yeah. Be sure to go and like and review on all of those because we're worth it.
1: That's right. (laughs) 100%.
0: (laughs) We're worth it. Anyways, Sam, where can people find us on? Instagram? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At Reaper Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Reaper Podcast.
1: We're going to do a standoff. Come on. You can email <laughs> you're us. just going to make me do it. <laughs> and you can email us at ReaperGals at com. Please tell us any of your suggestions. We take compliments. Um, only, only compliments only, and suggestions. Only compliments. Yeah. <laughs> and i think that's it i think that is maybe because you 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 threw me off by doing the other ahead so no i got ahead of myself
0: <laughs> um forgive me guys eventually important news first important news first so that important news is that we're on more platforms hopefully soon we will be on one more i will see about that um yeah until next time The reaper will
1: come for us all